0: Are we good? I see hands up in the back. Ah! Hey, while you're standing there figuring this out, I'm going to read and we're going to pray. Luke chapter 2, verse 39, it says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in a group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, um, Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that we can come together, we can read your word, and we can learn, and we can hear from your mouth. Uh, God, as we uh, have opened your word and as we continue to dive into it, Lord, we ask you just speak. To us, uh, speak into our lives right now uh, to, to see what it is you said and to see how uh, you've said it and what we're supposed to do about it. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you. We pray it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Whew. All right. How are we doing? Good. Fantastic. Happy New Year. I'm not going to be as easy as Jake. Happy New Year. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So. Um, Yes, we were in Pittsburgh last week, Shannon and I. Winners. Um, whatever, here's the deal. I almost did not make it back alive because we're sitting in Primanti Brothers eating lunch, watching the games are up on the screen and everything, and uh, obviously the game would be the Steelers game, playing the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens completed this long pass, and my, my wife's like, yes, and I looked at her I'm like, you're going to get me killed. <laughs> You do realize where we're at. And she grinned and said, I know. But anyway, she figures 15 years she's been doing pretty good, right? Um, yeah, for Mandy Brothers it was awesome. So, uh, but yeah, we, uh, we had a good time um, doing that, being able to, to get away and. Um, I don't even want to say reconnect, because I think Shannon and I, have, we have a good connection. Uh, after 15 years, I, I, I look at my wife, and every day, I, and this is not just an all brownie points. If I get brownie points, it's good, but every day I look at my wife, and, and I love her more every day, I mean, because I, I realize she's got to put a, she has a lot to put up with when it comes to me. So... Um, <laughs> Um, but I, So I, my, my love for her increases every single day, and, and I'm certain that God brought her into my life for a specific reason. So with that, that was my transition into the, the series in which we're in, uh, the, the certainty or the case for uh, your certainty. Uh, if you have a Bible open to Luke chapter 2, as you're opening there, I want to give a, a brief uh, rundown on why we're doing this. Uh, anybody, can anybody in here just shout out one word why we are, are in this series in Luke? Certainty, Certainty absolutely. Um, if you want to just flip back um, uh, just a page or so, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, Luke, Dr. Luke, he's talking to, he's writing to this man named Theophilus. Uh, we know that Theophilus means lover of God or friend of God. So uh, not only is, is Luke writing to Theophilus, he's writing to us as well. And why is he writing this? What well, says here that uh, in verse four, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you, in which you've been taught. Well, a lot of us have been taught a lot of things throughout the years. Maybe some of you are sitting there and you're like, I, I, yeah, I've been taught, or maybe I haven't been taught. Well, here's the deal. What, what, one of my primary goals is I want to make sure that people understand what it is that they are hearing and what it is that, that, that they believe. Because I know that growing up, there are things that I was told, this is what, this is way in which you should believe. Just do it. Um, and it just didn't sit right with me. And I think too many times, too many people, they take that, that, that approach where, well, this is just what Pastor Lee said, so we got to believe it. No, 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 no. I want us to make sure that we're weighing everything against Scripture, that we are looking at what the Bible says. And because of what the Bible says, we can have certainty. And that's where I want our hearts to rest. So, with that, I promise to slow down just a little bit as soon as I get to where I want to get. But uh, I think it was Crystal said today, man, you're hyped up today. Well, yeah, I'm hyped up. I didn't get to preach last week. Uh, My my wife was going nuts because I was preaching to her. And she's like, shut up, okay? I hear it all the time. Um, But... uh, no, it was, it was great. It was great to be able to get away and to know that uh, the, the church was in good hands with, uh, with Jake and with Jeremiah and with the deacons. I mean, the leadership is just, it's, it's, oh, it's awesome. Love it. So, Luke chapter 2. So I buzzed through a lot of, of that text because I want to make sure that we're, we're reading it all. We're hearing from what God has said. Um, real briefly, let's look at verse 39. Chapter 2, verse 39. It says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and favor, and the favor of God was upon him? Who's him? Jesus, absolutely. Well, we know, as uh, what uh, uh, Jake taught us last week, we know that the, the, um, what was performed, the, the, the law of the Lord, they were going up to give sacrifice for, uh, for Jesus. Uh, and, and this is always, this is kind of interesting to me, um, if, you, if you look and if you're, you kind of geek out, you you can. It's all right. We're we're in church. You allowed to geek out about stuff like this. Um, the the first time Jesus went to the, the temple, there was being a, there was a sacrifice made for him. The last time he went to the temple, he was the sacrifice. Uh, it's a, it's pretty cool to, to see those bookends. And in between that, we have the life of Christ. What we we have here is it goes on to say, uh, it talks about uh, in verse forty one. His parents went up to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. So what we have going on here, uh, we're going to see that, that, that there's been 12 years that have passed. And, and this is all going to slow down, like I said, in a second. But 12 years have, have passed since Jesus' birth, since he was taken to the temple, since he was, the sacrifice was given. Now 12 years has passed, and it says that his parents went um, up every year for the Feast of Passover. Uh, for those you are not uh, familiar with, with, what Passover is, um, Passover uh, is is the feast that really it, it starts. Uh, or it kicks off the, 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 the week-long feast of unleavened bread. But the, the Passover is known um, to signify uh, the, the, the uh, children of Israel coming out of Egypt, being uh, freed from Egypt. And it gets its name, the Passover, because the, the last plague um, that was that was uh, done by God, performed or executed by God on, on uh, Egypt, while the, the, the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, was that the firstborn of every uh, family was killed, died in the night. And the only way in which the the firstborn was saved was that there was a sacrifice that that took place. A uh, a lamb was sacrificed and the the blood was taken and put on on the doorposts and over over top. So they they painted the the doorframe with the, uh, the blood of the lamb. And so when the death angel came through, when, when the death angel saw the, the, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, he did what? Yes. Passed over that house, and that firstborn did not die. That's where they, they, this, this is where the, the understanding, the terminology comes from, the Passover. So they're celebrating this um, deliverance, because what we know from uh, what the Bible says is after this happened, Pharaoh said, Charleston, Heston, just get your people out of here, and Elaine, get it. Um, no, he says to Moses, get your people out, just go. And, and, and he took his people out of there. So they're, they're, they're celebrating this Passover of the deliverance from bondage. What is also significant about this feast, it is one of three feasts that, that a, um, every devout Jewish male was required to go to the temple for. So th- this is something where, and, and here, here's a cool thing for, for the ladies. It wasn't required for the women to go with uh, the men to the temple, but we, we see that there, there is something that, that that Mary was devout and said, I'm going to go. And, and I love this because this is a a, a show of um, how how a bond in, 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 in marriage should be. You know, wherever one goes, the other should be right there beside them. So what we have here is... Um, we have Mary and Joseph, they're going, it says, as custom. So, this is every year, they go up to the temple. They go up to the temple to observe the Passover feast. So, it says, verse 43, and when the feast was ended, I'm sorry, Sorry. when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in a group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances. Let me stop there for one second. All right, so here's what's going on. Uh, this can be, this is, this is what we have to, to look at. So they were in Jerusalem for a long period of time. This it wasn't like Passover overdone. I, I believe this is, they were there for the week because the, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread it continues on after the Passover. So they were probably there for seven, eight days. Um, so this, and I think this adds to the support where, so they were comfortable, familiar. They were doing a lot of things in, inside of, of Jerusalem. When the time was uh, come for them to leave, uh, they packed up their things and they started heading out. So, I, I don't want, and I've been, I've been uh, guilty of this uh, in the past of trying to paint Mary um, as a bad mom or p- trying to paint Joseph as a bad father. Well, I, I don't think that, that, that we can do that. Because it, it says that, you know, they, they, they went from there. Jesus chose to stay behind. It, it's not like um, Home Alone. Everybody remember Home Alone? That, yeah, we're, okay, a little bit, some of us. Macaulay called. Ah! Right now, you remember that? So they played to death during you know Christmas season and everything, but it wasn't as if the, these parents were forgetful and they forgot their child. What we have to understand is the um, how culture was in that time, it, it was even though um. I'm not a big political guy, but I do believe what, you know, Hillary Clinton said uh, many years ago, it takes a community to, to, to raise a child. Well, that is not hers. She stole that from the Bible because we know, as Solomon says, um, no, there's nothing new under the sun. Well, the, the community, the, 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 it says that the relatives here were part of this and that the relatives would, would have been helping with the raising of, of Jesus. So this was not bad parenting. So I guess I want to paint that picture. That this is not bad parenting on uh, Mary and Joseph's part. Um, it, it just happened. And, and, and I, I want to say that, that Jesus chose to stay behind. And this is going to be important here in a minute. But it says, so when they finally realized this, they went searching among their acquaintances, their relatives. They went to the, where they would normally go to find uh, the, the people uh, or to find where, where Jesus would be. It says, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. So they couldn't find Jesus around the people that, that they, were, they were with. So they went back to where they came from. They went to Jerusalem. And it says, after three days, they found him in the temple. Now, when we see this, this is part of, of understanding the whole context here. Uh, this is not like they went back to um, Jerusalem on, they got back there on a Monday and they didn't find him until, you know, Thursday morning. Now, this three days that have taken place, this is three days, this is the whole time period from the time in which they left, they traveled um, a day's journey, roughly about 20 miles or so, realized he wasn't with them, and then they traveled back, so that's one, two days, and then they found him on the third day. So, this is, again, not bad parenting, this is just what what was taking place here. But it's interesting now to see where they found him. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. I I love this because I think there's there's a lesson for us here. So what we know of Jesus is that Jesus, um, although he was uh, fully God, he was fully man. What we know of Jesus is that he was born, and we know that Jesus had a belly button, right? Everybody get that? Jesus did have a belly button. So when Jesus was born, Jesus was a baby, Jesus grew. It it, it says that um, the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. Later on down in verse 52, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and then stature and in favor with God and man. What we understand is Jesus learned. So we cannot, we, we, we can't like um, put our, 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 our dumb thinking caps on, and forgive me, but that's what I think of this is like we, we can't automatically think, well, Jesus was God, he knew everything from all, all the beginning. Yes, but we, what we understand by the Bible is it says that he set his, his attributes aside as God to be fully man. Why is that so important? That is so important because um, as Hebrews says that we, we don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize with us in every aspect, but we have this high priest that has been tempted as we have. How is he tempted as, as we are? Um, it, well, he was human like, 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 like we are. He wasn't Clark Kent, he wasn't a, you know, Superman with a disguise on, and, he, and, and the temptations really didn't bother him. No, he was tempted like we are. And in a few weeks, we're going we're gonna to learn even more about this, when Jesus goes out into um, the, the, the wilderness and is tempted by, by Satan. But what we understand is Jesus grew, and he learned. Now, there is something different about Jesus than, than, than is different about us uh, Jesus did not have a sin nature like what we have. So when Jesus learned, he did not have sin uh, prohibiting his learning. So it, he, he didn't have to battle that. So it says um, here, when it, when it says that he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, it goes on to say that they marveled, um, or they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Jesus did not, and I am 100% convinced about this, if you, want, if you don't believe me, find me later and we'll talk. But Jesus was not revealing any, like, he, he wasn't sitting there and giving prophetic word to these teachers, these scribes at the time. What he was doing is he was listening. He was a 12-year-old boy. He was listening and he was responding to what was being, he was being taught how do I know this for a fact that he wasn't giving you know, this special insight? Well, it, it says over in chapter 3 that Jesus' ministry had not begun yet. It didn't begin until he was the age of 30. So what we have to do, why is this important? Well, again, this is important because Jesus was learning. He learned as we are to learn. But how did Jesus learn? This is, this is beautiful. Yes, I already said he learned without being prohibited by sin, but how did he learn well, he, he learned by sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. This is, this is, this is one of those nuggets that you guys, we've got to grab on to. If there's something you want to learn, what do you need to do? Well, you need to listen, absolutely. You need to go to good sources. If you want to learn more about... Um, Forgive me, ogre. If you want to learn more about God, you don't go to Google. Just saying, God does not love Google. No, he doesn't. But you surround yourself, you surround yourself with those who are good teachers. This is one aspect of why the church is so important and why it is so important for the church to preach and to teach the truth and instruct in the truth. Because just like Jesus went to the temple to learn, we come to church so we can learn. And the last thing I want to do is, want, is to be a, a, a false prophet or a heretic and teach you something that's not true. So that's why I'm always telling you make sure you're weighing everything that I say and by scripture. If you have a question, because look at this. Jesus had questions. Remember when we, we talked at the beginning of, of this whole series that I started? I don't know what it, it's been, like four or five, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, whatever it is. I said, I want to hear questions. I want you to ask questions, not like right now in the middle of service. I want you to write these things down. I want you to get them to me because I want to answer or try to answer any questions in which you have. Because questions are important. Questions give us the answers in which we need so we can have certainty. Jesus asked, Jesus asked these questions. And it says, because he was asking all these questions, because he was listening to them. And and this is is funny. I mean, because um, granted, I don't have a 12-year-old boy. I've got, you know, a 14-year-old daughter, an 11-year-old daughter. I've got a 7-year-old boy that's going to be 12 maybe one day, if he makes it that far. But I can't imagine, I mean, I'm just trying to picture Gabe at 12 years old sitting among, um, the, uh, it would be professors and theologians in, in a setting and him just going, hmm, that's interesting. Well, what, is, uh, what, is it, what does it mean by atonement, dear sir? Or, or you know, something where, where he's asking engaging questions. I'm just trying to picture that. But this is a 12-year-old boy who's asking these questions. Granted, this is the Messiah, and I'm not, I don't want to, please don't hear me minimize the Messiahship of Christ. I am not by any stretch of the imagination. What I want to do is I want to maximize the understanding that he's our high priest, that he does sympathize, he can sympathize with us. Here it says, this 12-year-old boy, as he was listening, as he was asking them questions, as he was learning, it says, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Uh, again, here, here, here's my, my thought process, is they were astonished because they were, you know, his 12-year-old boy's hanging out with all these old fellers in there, and he, they're engaged in, in dialogue. It says, and his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Ah, oh, pause for a second. This is us. If, if we're, we're honest, we have this, this propensity to say, when, when a situation happens, we, we have the, this propensity to, to say, Well, why did you do this? We take and we shift the blame to somebody else. Well, 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 why did you do this to me? I can't believe you did this to me. What did Jesus do to them? Jesus didn't do anything. And matter of fact, Jesus didn't go anywhere, they're the ones that left. It's going to be important here in a second, but here it says that they they, they responded, Son, why have you treated us so? They blame shift here. Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. How was the response of of Mary and Joseph to them leaving Jesus behind? What was their response? Great distress. And he said to them, <laughs> now this is a 12-year-old boy at one point. Think about this. <laughs> why were you looking for me? Remember, 12-year-old boy saying, why were you, even this is red letter in your Bible, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus knew From an early age, he had a special purpose. Jesus knew that what it is that he was to do from from an early age, that God was going to use him, the Father was going to use him to do amazing things. I I don't think that that, that even though in his... um, his adolescence or his younger years, even though he wasn't revealing great mystical truths of Scripture, he still had a drive and an understanding that God was going to use him in tremendous ways. And he says here, Well, why are you looking for me? I was, don't you know? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? I like how that also can be rendered. Did you not know that I was about my father's business? What else did you expect? And it says this is this is an interesting point for me and they did not understand the saying that they spoke to them that he spoke to them. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that 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 Mary forgot what she's treasured up in her heart up to this point. I don't think that she forgot about the angel Gabriel coming and speaking to her, appearing to her, and and revealing that the Messiah was going to be born and she was going to give birth to to the Messiah. I don't think that she forgot that she gave birth to Jesus. But I think what we have here, there's some things that um, when we hear them, we may not fully understand the magnitude of them. I think that that's what this is right here. She knew that there was something different, she, but she didn't fully understand it. And it goes on to say, that when they went down, they came to Nazareth and, was, and he was submissive to them and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So here what we have is we have Jesus saying, okay, I know I've got a special purpose. I know what, 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 that I, I need to be in my father's house. You know, something's big is it, gonna take place here. Um, Even though I am destined for God's greatest plan, he gives us this example of I'm still required to be submissive to my earthly father, my earthly mother. Why? Well, I, I think, this is my own conjecture here, I, I think that this is a good illustration for us that, that if, if we're rebellious in relationships that we can see face-to-face with people, we're going to be rebellious in relationships with God. Jesus gave us this example of how we are to interact with those in which God has put into our lives, the authority in which God has put into our lives. There's, no, there's nothing um, uh, bad, there's nothing demeaning about authority. Authority is a beautiful thing. Authority is something that God has, has given us so we can take comfort in. Granted, there are people out there who abuse authority, but that's not God's intention. God's intention is for authority to be comforting, to be safe, to be a guardian I can say that because the Bible tells us that that the Bible is, um, is our guardian until the coming of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is our guardian in a way, of life. That guardian is not to prohibit us from joy, it is to enhance and to promote joy and happiness in God. So that's my introduction. Here we have Jesus. He comes to the temple. Parents leave him because he chose, He chooses to stay behind. They come back and he says, "I, I, 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 I was going to be about my father's business." He didn't have a stuttering problem though. I, I'm, I'm about my father's business. They didn't, they just didn't get it. He, he, here's a question in which I have with this. As I'm reading this, as, as, as the, this is, has, has just. Um, you know, we're going through the, the book of Luke, understanding that, that Luke has, he says that he's carefully studied um, different events and different things that have happened uh, through, through history, through time, in the life of Jesus and everything. All of that is intriguing to me because here he picks out, Dr. Luke picks out, obviously by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he picks out one childhood event one event that took place in Jesus' childhood, and he communicated that to us. So, so my question as I'm going through this is, out of all of the stories that Mary probably told him, because I believe that, that, that he had interaction with, with, with Mary. We know that, that, um, that, that Luke was a, a, a companion of, of Paul's, and we know that Paul went, even went to Jerusalem for the council. So we're, I'm sure that he had interaction with, with Mary. That's why we have such a detail about events that took, that took place specifically in Mary's life early Jesus's life when it was infancy and everything. But I'm, I'm asking, like out of all of the childhood stories that Mary told Luke, why did he communicate this one? Why this one? Why not the, a, a different one where I, I love, as I was reading through um, some old uh, manuscripts and some old uh, you know, extra-biblical evidence um, of uh, early writings, primarily like from the 2nd century, not, not anything that are canonical uh, books of the Bible. Like, they're not in like, parts of the Bible. They're like the, the Epistle of, uh, of Thomas and um, whatever. There, there are a couple other stories that are brought up um one that was interesting was a story of, of um, Jesus playing and basically playing with water and mud and everything, and some kid uh, came by and uh, just upset these little pools of water in, in which he made and It said in the story that jesus uh, uh he didn't smote him, uh, but he he said that, that 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 he should be withered up, kind of like what he said to the fig tree, and the boy withered up like. Okay, that was kind of interesting. If that if that would have taken place, Uh, another one was a story where Jesus was walking through the street and and a boy um, just bumped into him, and Jesus smoted him. Get out of my way, you know. Kind of. I'm thinking like if, if if all of these things were true, those would be a little bit more eventful than just getting left behind, right? I see this as, as, as beautiful evidence of just the validity of Scripture because what we have is it's, we have people that aren't perfect. And, and, and Mary is communicating this, and I think that, that, that Luke sees this as an opportunity and is prompted by the Holy Spirit to give us some certainties. So I've got three certainties I want to share with you in the next few minutes. And I have in my notes, I have three plus one because there's another one that's... Um, I may not get to it. If I don't get to it today, Just I'll, I'll put it in the podcast this week. But um, three certainties that I can see that, that we can have that, that, that um, Dr. Luke here wants to communicate, that the Holy Spirit's prompting us or prompting him to, to communicate uh, to us. The first one, faithful people are capable of forgetting Jesus. Faithful people are capable of forgetting Jesus. How can I say that? Well, what we understand about Mary and Joseph is they were faithful to God. It says that by custom, they went to the temple every year to observe the Passover. They were obedient to the law. They were faithful. I I, want to stress that because I think that a lot of times for, for us... What we have in our life is we try to, to um, follow, we, we want to follow what, what Scripture says, but we have a tendency to uh, kind of get off track a little bit, and, and we feel that, that, we, um, that we're not being faithful, or that when we fall, that that's a result uh, uh, of just um, how, how depraved we are. Well, I, I want to submit that even the most faithful of people are capable of forgetting Jesus. So don't, don't let the devil, and I want to say that because don't let the devil sneak in when you get into an area, and please don't hear me say that it's okay to forget Jesus. I, nah, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when you do this, because we are still human and we still have to wrestle with this, when you do this, don't let the devil come in and make, make it your identity uh, that, uh, well, <laughs> see, you just lost Jesus. He's not that important to you because you just forgot him. No, I, I think that even faithful people can forget Jesus. They're capable of forgetting. But look, look what it, it says. It says here that the antidote to this, so so if we're faithful and we don't want to forget Jesus, the antidote is not to be stressed out. Because it says here that, that, that when Mary and Joseph forgot or and I'm using that, you understand what I'm using, figuratively, when they forgot Jesus in, 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 uh, um, in Jerusalem, when he chose to stay behind, their response was great distress. I think too many times, too many people, they use that, I forgot Jesus, I, I, I'm in panic mode. i got to hurry up and get back to Jesus. Well, the antidote for forgetting is not that great Distress, or it's not even stress. Granted here, should we be remorseful if we find ourselves and we're forgetting to put Christ center in our life? Absolutely, we should be re- re- remorseful. But great distress is not remorse. Great distress is that debilitating feeling that I can't do anything else. That feeling that I, I, I just feel worthless, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just like, I feel I'm all, I'm all alone. Well, I know it's my fault because I'm forgetting Jesus. Don't let the devil come in. Because I, I think what the antidote is, the antidote is in the promise of Jesus himself. Because remember, what did Jesus promise his people? What did Jesus promise us as believers? Matthew 20 or Matthew twenty-eight twenty. 20. What does it say? I will never, what, leave you nor forsake you. So w- w- when we get in this mindset, yes, it, it, it is possible. It is capable of, faithful, of a faithful, faithful person forgetting Jesus. What we have to understand is the antidote to that is to remember the promise of Jesus. He says he's never going to leave you. Even though the, the, the devil going to say, well, hey, look, you left Jesus behind. Jesus hadn't gone anywhere. Look here, Um, the second thing, the second certainty. So if faithful people are capable of forgetting Jesus, I think that the second certainty that we can see, those who love God must be aware of their proximity to Jesus. Those who love God must be aware of their proximity to Jesus. Well, why do I say this? Again, feeding off of Matthew 28, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus, before then, in John chapter 15, turn over to John chapter 15 uh, to the right, a few pages. John 15 talks about the proximity that Jesus, where Jesus is to the believers, to his people. It says, uh, John 15 What we have to understand, what is the proximity? For, for those who love God, what is the proximity to Jesus? He's in us, right? He lives inside of us. He dwells inside of us. Too many times, too many people, what they do, try to do is they try to do everything on their own. They're trying to appease God. They're trying to make their way to him, like trying to, 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 to impress God. God. And they forget that it's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of Jesus. It's Jesus who's inside of us. So those who love God must be aware of of their proximity to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't think you can get any closer than inside. The question then is, well, how does that work? Well, here we go. go. If you're in John 15, go over to John 16 real quick. Flip the page. It's a beautiful, beautiful sentence here, beautiful verse. That I, I, think, I, I think that the, the disciples, that when Jesus said this, probably were a little bit dumbfounded. I know that it doesn't sound the, the, the most promising, but verse seven, chapter 16, verse seven, Jesus is talking. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I love that it's like, as if Jesus didn't tell the truth right it says I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you think about this for a second Understanding our proximity to Jesus, understanding that it is Christ who dwells in us, understanding that Jesus said it's to your advantage that I leave you. Think about that for a second. How many of you would trade a day, um, one of your days, to to walk with Jesus beside you? You don't have to raise your hand, but just think about that. How many of you would trade a day in your life for Jesus to walk beside you? Jesus himself said, it's better that I'm not walking beside you, but I'm living inside you by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage. So this proximity that we're understanding, this proximity that we need to grab hold of, is understanding that is the, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that dwells inside of us. Can't get much closer than inside. I already said that. I understand But I think that too many times, too many people, they forget that. We forget that we have the Holy Spirit of God that's taken up residence inside you, inside of me, if I am a believer in Jesus Christ. You forget that. Why do you forget that? Because the the devil wants you to forget that. The devil wants you to, to, to grieve the Holy Spirit. He wants to forget how close Christ is in your life. That's what the devil wants. He doesn't want you to, to believe that Jesus doesn't exist or God doesn't exist. There's nowhere in scripture it says that. What it does say is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and life to the fool. The devil wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. And what, how does he do that? He goes right to where it hurts the most. He goes right to where he knows he can affect you the most. He gets your mind thinking that, and you, you, you just—if you—if you're a good person and you do this, this, that, and the other—then, then God's going to really love you. But then, when you fail doing all this stuff, man, look at what a terrible person you are. He gets us to take our mind off of the understanding how close Jesus is in our lives. The last certainty—I well, should say the third certainty, because maybe I'll have time for the last one. The third certainty that I believe that that, that Luke wanted to communicate to Theophilus. Remember, Theophilus being the the, the lover of God, the friend of God, the last certainty. Jesus didn't go anywhere. Understand that. Jesus didn't go anywhere. He is always about his father's business. Jesus didn't go anywhere in this situation. Mary and Joseph went somewhere. I I, I think that that, that, that for, for us... This is what we have to continually realize. It ain't God who's going places. It's you, it's me who drift off. He hasn't gone anywhere. And the beautiful part is when Jesus, or when Mary and Joseph comes back and they find Jesus, he says, "I'm about my Father's business. I'm in my Father's house. I'm about His business." Jesus is continually about his father's business to this day. Jesus has not stopped doing his father's business. He has done it from eternity past. He's doing, it, he's, he's doing it in the present, and He will do it to the future. Question then is, what is the Father's business? I'm glad you asked. Second Corinthians chapter five, and this is beautiful, because Kurt was dancing around this in, uh, in Sunday school. Um, Jake actually danced around this a little bit. Not dancing in a bad way, but was alluding to, to, to all this. God already put this in my notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll see what, what, what the business of the Father is. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, it, it, it says, um, well, let's do this. Let's go to 18. It says, and this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us a message of reconciliation. What is the Father's business? reconciliation it's a beautiful thing okay how, how, how can i say that well here's the deal um genesis 1 2 and 3 we, we understand that god created the the heavens and the earth he created it in perfection then sin entered into the world in, in genesis chapter 3 ever since then there has been this plan of redemption We've, we talk about this all the time what's the gospel the good news of god's redemptive plan for sinful humanity it's always been about reconciliation. It's always been about God reconciling his people to himself. Why did Christ come? Well, it says that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. There was a, a, a tremendous fracture that took place between creator and creation. And Christ came he lived a life in which we, we can't, we couldn't live, we can't live. He lived a life without sin. He died a death, which we should have which we should have died. He rose from the dead, conquering Satan's sin and death. Why? So God would be reconciling, so God is reconciling the world to himself. That is what the Father's business is. So why do I say that? I, I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you've done or what you will do or, or what you're thinking about doing, whatever it is. You're not in a situation that cannot be reconciled to God. Don't care. I, no, I do care about you. I care about your situation. But I, I, don't elevate yourself where you're saying, I'm just too far gone. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm just, I've done too many bad things. I do. No. no proximity to to Christ is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon him. He's in the business of reconciling. He's in the business, if we don't understand what reconciling is, it's taking enemies that are opposed, that are facing opposite to one another and turning their faces toward each other. That's what Christ is in the business of the Father. That's what he's executing I think that that's one of the primary reasons, the, the certainties in which we can attain and we can, attain or we can um, uh, glean from this passage in Luke. Don't ever think that you're too far gone. Don't ever think that somebody in your life, maybe you're not sitting here thinking, well, I'm too far gone. I know what God's done in my life. Awesome. Don't think that there's someone in your life that like, well, they're too far gone. No, because if they're too far gone, maybe if you're thinking of that person right now, this is kind of a, a hit you in the gut moment. If you're thinking of a person in your life, you're saying that they're too far gone, that's a person in which God wants you to be the instrument for them to be or him or her to be reconciled to, to God. Because that's his business. I said that there was a, a, a possible fourth certainty. This is extra credit. I'm looking at, turn back to to Luke real quick. Extra credit points here. It says now, so as I'm reading through this story, as I'm reading through this account, I I, I see that, that, that it talks about Jesus coming into Jerusalem at the time of Passover, when he was a boy. I can't help to think that 21-ish years later, Jesus came into Jerusalem for the same Passover. He came in as a man. We know this as Palm Sunday, where he comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. He's coming in for the same Passover feast that he has observed his whole life. We understand that when he comes, we understand that he's murdered. He's hung on the cross. What I also see here is... Just as the, the uh, response of Mary and Joseph when Jesus was um, left behind or when Jesus was separated from them, their, 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 uh, their response of great distress, I, I see that if we look at uh, like a parallel image of, of the um, disciples' uh, response when Jesus was crucified, how were, they, how were they faring? It says that they were hiding fear for their life, right? They were in great distress, well, if we remember, we just read here, but, uh, and when, when Mary and Joseph came back, Jesus like, I'm about my father's business. When Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room, what was his first words he said? Fear not. Don't be afraid, right? How can he say that? I, I, I see here, I think there's a, there's a, a beautiful uh, mirror image or a beautiful parallel here. That Luke, by the the prompting of the Holy Spirit, was was, um, preparing the soil um, in in Theophilus' life and in the lives of of his readers here for the great work in which Jesus was going to to do on the cross. Because just as he came into town, just as as he was crucified, just as he was gone three days, uh, it says it here, you know, it was three days and they found him. He He was... Buried three days and he arose. All this time, what was he about? His father's business. He was all about reconciling a broken, shattered world to the, the, the father, to the creator of it. And that's a beautiful plan. That's what we can have certainty in on a daily basis. That God will go to the nth degree to impact your life to impact it in a way that that you say I need I need him let's pray I say let's pray but let's 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 reflect for just a second let, let let's just it's easy to read through stories in the Bible and not see the full meaning of what it is that God wants to communicate. My prayer today is that, that we've seen that um, maybe you are a believer in Jesus Christ, but there, there are times where, where you, you, you're human and you, you fail and, and, and you feel that, that you forgot Jesus. Well, not all is lost if, you, if, you, if you're in that category. Because remember our proximity is paramount but maybe that you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus because that's what it comes down to you don't under, you, well maybe you've never understood and maybe now you're, you're trying you're, you're starting to get this picture like okay this started to make sense a little bit because I can look around me and I can see the world has, is, is falling apart so it's fractured something's wrong and I don't believe that God intended it to be this way. This is starting to, to kind of like roll through your mind. Well, you're right. God didn't intend it to be that way. But sin entered into the world. And because sin entered, entered into the world, this is what, what we're living with now. But we're not living in a world that is filled, that does not have hope, that is hopeless. No, we, we live in a world that has great hope. Because of the business of the father sending his son to reconcile a broken creation. So I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe this is not uh, you. Maybe it is you. Maybe it's somebody in your life you want to pray for. But at, at this moment, what I want us to do is I, I want us to, 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 to pray for ourselves primarily. And it's okay to pray for yourself. Jesus did. He even said, you know, take this cup from me, Father. He was thinking about himself. Pray for yourself, but also pray for others. Pray, okay, God, I I, I want that, that reconciled relationship. I want that restored relationship with you. I can't do it on my own. I need to focus on you. So pray for that. And there's no special words. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Rest in that promise. So it's, it's that confessing, it's that believing, it's that trusting in Him. But then there, maybe there's someone in your life that you're like, man, I, I want them to. I want them to be with me in heaven. Well, pray for them. Because the same God that saved you is the same God that's going to save them. You're not going to save them. God is. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we love you, Lord, we thank you, Lord, we ask as we have opened your word, as we have dived in, as we have heard your message, that we fully grasp this magnitude of the realness of life. God, you're a God, you're a king who stepped down to be with us, to show us, to die for us, to live for us, so we can live in you. Lord God, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, I I pray you stir among us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and end in worship.